You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. So I'm talking about a pretty heavy topic this morning, uh, so I feel like I should sit down. I don't want to feel like, I don't want you to feel like I'm just like coming at you aggressively because we're talking about forgiveness this morning and we're talking about bitterness this morning and we're talking about, um, I guess, what the Lord wants from us in those situations. Amen? <laughs> it's pertains to all of us. So anyways, this past week, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. Me and Maddie got away for about 48 hours and uh, which we quickly realized we needed about 900 hours. Um, and, but it was our first time away with no children. Come on, somebody. My God. Somebody asked me yesterday, did you miss your kids? I said, not really. <laughs> I knew they were okay. It wasn't that long. It wasn't that long. You know, there was a little bit, you know, a little bit, you know, we, we more maybe not miss them as much more, but like hope they're okay. I hope they're doing all right. But, um, but I, it's like, no, I miss my wife. That's what I miss. I miss alone time with my spouse. That's what, that's what I miss. I've had a baby in my bed for two years, you know, and she's still there. And, and she's just like a little woman already. <laughs> no offense, women. I'm just going to get myself in trouble real quick. But, you know, if she, sometimes she wakes up in a good mood. Sometimes she doesn't. You just never know. You know, the baby, sometimes she rolls over and she just holds my face. Sometimes she looks at me. Ugh. She crawls out of bed. I'm like, what the heck is happening? Like, did you have a bad dream? Anybody else's spouse out there have a bad dream and get mad at you for it, you know? You know how that is. You were with another girl in my dream. Hey, it was just a dream. Calm down. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So, anyways, we were, uh, we were in Nashville visiting a church that we love down there called Grace Center. Um, sometimes it's really good to, when I, people travel, and I, I got into another church context, and about halfway through the second song, I was just like, man, I wish I was home. You know, I wish I was at the Father's house. I really miss this place. I really missed what God is doing. I really miss you all. I really miss to see the transformation and growth in people's lives. I just, just really miss being here. So it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. And um, I'm glad to be here. So hopefully we'll take a, another small vacation, vacation with our kids here in a couple weeks. Um, and go do something before the summer ends with our children, which we haven't really done. So... Amen? It's good to invest in your family. Amen? And invest is a good word, isn't it? Because those things cost money. <laughs> they are an investment. All right, so I want to try to just be obedient to what the Lord gave me this morning. Um, um, I want to honor Pastor Faith. She did such a good job last week, if you were here, of preaching the Word of God, just being herself. I'm honored to see women in ministry. Amen? And uh, some of the guys back here are like, I don't know, I'm not used to it yet. Uh, but I'm, I'm honored to see uh, God use women as well. Amen? You know, uh, God has anointed some women to teach, to lead, to do amazing things. And we recognize the anointing on her life and we are excited to have her here in this church. Amen? Yeah. And um, praise the Lord. So she'll be preaching a lot more often here soon too. She'll probably be preaching next week. So come and be excited. Um, so I started a series recently about um, 
knowing your enemy, right? I was literally watching, for the ladies, you might not understand this, but just bear with me for a moment. I was watching a football thing. How many of you ladies know what football is at least, right? Maybe you've learned enough, like literally none of y'all raised your hand. You all know what football is. Okay, thank you. Um, like one of my mom raised her hand, that was it. Um, they're like, no, we're checked out already. We don't care about your sermon anymore, football, no. But the reality is, I was watching uh, like Peyton Manning, he's a quarterback, all right, follow me. And what they do is they study the other teams, and I've talked about this before, right? Somebody's saying, why are we talking about the enemy? Why are we talking about what he does? It's because we need to not be unaware of what he's trying to do. We need to be very aware so when we see his tactics step into our life, we're like, oh, that's the devil. (laughs) Oh, that's what pastor talked about. Oh, that's that bitterness. Oh, that's busyness. Oh, that's unforgiveness. Oh, that's that's, uh, offense or that's uh, whatever it was we talked about before. Isolation. Oh, if you're feeling isolated and you keep isolating yourself, oh, that's the devil. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to go to small group. I don't want to serve. Okay, that's the tactic of the enemy. People say, man, I just can't make any friends. Well, do you serve? Did you go to small groups? Okay, never mind, we'll move on. Anyways, are you friendly? Uh Uh-oh. Do you look friendly? (laughs) Does your face look friendly? Okay, all right, I'll move on. Um, But we talked about it. So anyways, Peyton Manning, let me stay on track. Peyton Manning, he studied Ed Reed. The guys in here, y'all know Ed Reed, played for the Ravens, one of the best defensive backs ever. Anyways, Ed Reed was so good that Peyton would study the way that Ed Reed, when he played defense, when he would turn his hips a certain way, he knew that Ed Reed was going to run a certain route on defense. So Peyton thought he was slick, studying him so well that he would go like, oh, Ed's turned his hips. I can throw the ball to the left side of the field. But Ed studied him so well that he thought that he thought oh wow Peyton's probably going to study my film so Ed got to a point there's a famous thing on YouTube you can watch where he would turn his hips the way Peyton thought he would go and then he knew Peyton would know he turned the other way quickly ran and got the interception (laughs) so in a sense that's what we're supposed to do (laughs) we're supposed to be the enemy is trying to see your weaknesses and where he can get you to be. And it might not be, actually, I know it's not the same for everyone. It's not the same for everyone. Some people aren't addicts to things. Some people, it could just be your pride. (laughs) It could be self-righteousness. It could be so many different things. It could be isolation. It could be you just being scared of everyone. It could just be fear alone. The fear of friendships, the fear of letdown, the fear of rejection. It could be all these different things, but the enemy knows your weaknesses, and it's time that we are aware of what he's trying to do. And then when it comes, we're like that defender that's like, oh, nope, tricked you, devil. Watch this. I'm going to actually recognize what you're trying to do, and I'm going to counter it with what God's answer is for this thing. Amen? So if you're like, oh, I can't make friends. Oh, I feel so scared of, I'm so scared of being around people. You know the only way to get out of that is to go be around people. As Christians, we have to stop accommodating our lives to fear, unhealthy fears. For example, like if you're scared to get on planes and you just think that thing's going to crash, and then you're like, I ain't never going to get on a plane the rest of my life. That is not the answer to that fear. I'm never going to drive over a bridge again. That's not the answer to that fear. Those are irrational, Right? The answer is that you just drive over that bridge and you pray in tongues. Amen? <laughs> Y'all think I'm playing. I, we, every, it's taking off of an airplane is not that big of a deal, but landing sometimes, like, man, the landing is what kind of gets me going. I'm like, man, we just fell out of the sky. 
and we're just landing on the ground, these two, three little wheels, you know? It's like, seems really dangerous. And I'm just sitting there praying, oh, Lord, come on. You know what I mean? Because I have a ready defense, right? I'm, I'm, I'm ready for what the enemy's trying. You know what? See, let me explain. You know what the enemy tried to bring in that moment? Anxiety. You know what anxiety is? Fear. What's God's answer? Courage. Bravery. Did you know what bravery really is? It doesn't mean there's absence of fear. It just means you do stuff afraid. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like my son, he jumped off a rock thing at the, I'm sure he was kind of afraid a little bit. He was a little nervous. He was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. But he was brave. He jumped, you know, and I was like, I don't know. I hope there's no rocks down there, Andrew. <laughs> Dang. All right. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, in order that Satan should not outwit us, for we are not ignorant. Another verse says, we're not unaware of his schemes. This is the goal of this series, the goal of what I want to see in our church, that you, this church, you're not unaware of what the enemy's trying to do to take you out. And instead, you become very aware of it. When we talk about freedom in this church, and we talk about this freedom stuff and freedom classes we're getting into, let me give you step one of all this type of freedom. If you want breakthrough in your life, let me give you step one. It's called awareness. You have to learn how to be aware first of what's wrong in your marriage until you can fix your marriage. You have to be aware of the things that you're struggling with personally before you can get rid of those things personally. You have to be aware that you got some bitterness or you got some stuff in there before you can get rid of that stuff, amen? The reality is most of us are not getting a lot of our breakthrough. It's because we're unaware or we're refusing to be aware, or we're refusing to let God's word, or we're refusing to let the messages or the sermons really get into our hearts, we're just still hardened and bitter and closed. And I would encourage you to be open this morning. Amen? Because if you're open, you don't have to be afraid to be open. Because if Jesus steps in, the only things you'll receive are good things. I was listening, that book I have over there about declarations, um, it said something about... If it's God telling me to do something, it is the most fruitful, loving, best thing I can do. Isn't that good to know? Because sometimes I feel like, well, God, you're telling me to do this really hard thing. This, sound, this can't be the best option. But no, we have to come to a place where I say, if God has commanded me to be obedient in this area, this is the best option I can take. This is the best option for my life. This is the best choice for my freedom and my personal growth. All right? And one of those things he's t- commanding of us in scripture is forgiveness. He's commanding us to forgive. So let's pray. For God's going to open up some of your hearts, all of your hearts in Jesus' name. And bring some awareness this morning. And just come in and love on you guys really, really well. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you this morning. Let the revelation of our forgiveness from our sins be so loud this morning, God, so on the top of our minds, Lord, that we would see how beautiful the forgiveness we've received this morning is, God. And we would not know how any, to do anything else but to give that forgiveness to other people. Jesus, we honor you. Holy Spirit, come. Give your people ears to hear, eyes to see, God, and use me this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Look, it's only 11.36. My goodness. We got so much time this morning. Y'all better get comfortable. 
You know, I, asked, I, was, I was at the health park the other day, and a guy said, I said, man, he says, how long y'all's church services? I said, well, I said, you know, sometimes they go for about two hours. He just kind of laughed like, what? What are y'all doing? I said, we're worshiping Jesus. And then I thought about it. Man, if we get tired of worshiping Jesus, the book of Revelation says that they're sitting around the throne of God just saying, holy, holy, holy. Man, we're just, let me say it like this. We're just trying to prepare you guys for heaven. We don't want you to get there and be like, oh, is this what's going on? We just worship all the time? Oh, I'm used to that. The Father's house. Come on. I've been living that life, Lord. I've been living a life of worship. And so much that I'm not just tired of it on Sunday. I do it on Monday. Come on. Man, maybe if we filled up our week with worship, then it would be different on Sundays. Come on. So, guys, when you get to be aware of some stuff going on in your life, it brings breakthrough, okay? God is not trying to bring awareness into your life to bring shame into your life. Let me say it again. God does not want you to be aware of things that need to change just to shame you. Because some people in your family do that, right? God is, not, God is not that way. God is loving and kind and gentle. If he is trying to reveal something to you, it's not to shame you. It's to get rid of it. It's because he's saying, hey, this is holding you back from those prayers that you prayed when you're saying, hey, God, I want to give you all my life. God, I'm all in. He's saying, okay, the weight of that actually isn't another worship set. The weight of that is getting rid of some stuff you need freedom from. And that's when we're like, oh, hold on a second. (laughs) God, I want breakthrough in my life, but I don't know. I need to get into my heart. I didn't know you wanted me to forgive some people. I didn't know you wanted me to let go of some grudges. Hold on, Lord. These people deserve these grudges. <laughs> Imagine how much, how much authority Jesus has to say in that. If he, and he has the, the, the absolute right to withhold something from him because he was perfect, right? But he does not withhold, right? So anyways, so awareness. Everybody say Awareness. Awareness. If someone offends you and you get offended and then you let it just fester, and what happens with offense, when offense offense is not dealt with, it leads to unforgiveness, which leads to the worst part is bitterness. And then bitterness becomes a root, which becomes a stronghold, and then affects every other area of your life. Right? And so then all of a sudden you're wondering why you struggle with anger and you wonder why you struggle with revenge and you wonder why you struggle with trust and all of this. And it's actually rooted in that offense that you never dealt with that's led to unforgiveness and now you're bitter and now you've just been bitter for years. God's plan for your life is not for you to live in bitterness. There's people we need to release. Everybody say release. Release. From our judgment. And give them back to Jesus. Because he's the judge. Amen? Amen. So, awareness. Let the Lord. So I was thinking, I was like, man, a lot of people's breakthrough that you're really waiting to receive is actually going to come from you having awareness of some things that you need to deal with. Right? Not very high. I, like, I got one amen on that one. Because that's where we, that's where we, you, man, guys, that's where you really start to mature. We can stay babies in Christ for a long time if you want to. But it's a dangerous thing to do. But I don't know about, I don't know about you, but like, I don't want to be immature. Right? I don't, know, I don't think anybody in this room would cognitively say, I want to stay immature in Christ. 
But when we say, man, I want to mature in the Lord, and he says, actually, hey, I want you to deal with some of this stuff in your heart. <laughs> that person in your family that you, you always talk bad about and gossip about, no, you're going to have to stop that. God, that person you want me to change so bad, I, I'm trying to change you. You know? And so... We talked about offense, we talked about isolation, we talked about busyness, and so today, unforgiveness. So, um, forgiving others will allow you to overcome feelings of anger, bitterness, or revenge. So if you deal, if you have a lot of bitterness, anger, and revenge, it's actually holding you captive, the, actually the answer is releasing forgiveness to people. You're, you might not see it this way, but you're actually holding yourself captive. You're holding yourself captive. It's so funny. Like we feel like we're holding the other person captive, but we're actually holding ourselves captive. We're actually keeping out our personal growth. That's the only thing we're keeping out of our life. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy to think about? So I'm gonna give you a lot of scriptures today that is really gonna bring some of this home. But first one in Matthew 20, in Matthew chapter five, it talks about before you bring your gift to the altar, before you bring your sacrifice, it says first, if someone, you've offended someone, or so, basically if you have a problem with someone, they have a problem with you, there's some un, unresolved conflict, it says go to them. It never says passive aggressively quit going around them. It's real quiet in here. You're all like, man, I got about 10 people I've been doing this with. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, it, it's okay. There's no shame, right? No, but everybody ever say, no shame. There's just revelation. There's just an invitation this morning to grow and to mature. Because it's saying, if you have a problem with somebody, it's saying in the church, in the world, we cut people off, but in the church, we go to our brother. Right? In the world system, we just excommunicate. In God's system, we always want redemption. We always want restoration. It doesn't mean it always can come, but it means that we do as much as we can on our end to see it come to pass. Not everybody will receive it, and we all know that. So I'm not saying that. Don't hear what I'm not saying this morning. But that verse kind of seems like to me it's saying before you really come and give your heart of praise and worship the Lord, you need to deal with some stuff in your heart. Before you give your gift, before you give your sacrifice, go and deal with these offenses, you know? And, like, that's a tough scripture. Yes. It's a tough one, ain't it, Latricia? And, and that's why I'm sitting down. Because <laughs> I want to talk to you just, I love you. And I want, I want you to be free as free can be. Amen. Right? And so if you have a problem with somebody, the Bible says go to them. It doesn't say call 10 other people and talk about them. It doesn't say get three people on your, on your side about the situation either. It says go to your brother, and if the, your brother doesn't receive it, then take someone with you and go with them. Wouldn't that be amazing if we can get a hold of this church? Listen, we want revival to come, but we don't want to get crap out of our hearts. You know what I mean? I just have this crazy thought that maybe what God is wanting to do is setting you all free before we're going to be able to help set others free. You know what I mean? Like you go to the hospital and thankfully the doctor's not sick while he's helping you. You know what I mean? Like if you're holding on to bitterness and you're holding on to all the stuff you need freedom for, how are we going to be a healthy home for the city? How are we going to give away something we don't have? God is saying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to clean house out of the heart of this church, people in this, period. Not just this church, every church. 
where we stop just going through the motions at church and we stop saying, you know what, what are the things God's commanded me to do in Scripture? How can I cleanse my life? How can I cleanse my heart? How can I guard my heart? Guard your heart doesn't just mean keep people out. It means keep the devil stuff out. Keep bitter. You know, that, that verse means keep bitterness out. It doesn't mean keep your aunt out. Keep your mother-in-law out. No. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't keep you out? Even though we're dumb, the Bible says it's sheep. <laughs> Can we be honest? You notice they didn't say that we, he didn't give us like this super intelligent animal. <laughs> like they had that old, that old hymn, prone to wander. It's like the sheep are just prone just to scatter off. You know, they need a shepherd. They need someone to watch over them and love them. And we have that good shepherd. We have that father at the father's house that loves us so much to sit us down and say, hey, it's time to deal with some stuff in your heart. I know you want revival. I know you want breakthrough in your family. I know you want to see a city transform. But God's saying, I want to see your marriage transform. I want to see your parenting transform. I want to see your household transform. Amen. You know what I mean? And I, I just, some people, you know, we, I, I love charismatic stuff. I love Pentecostal prayer meetings. I love all of that stuff, but I'm here to tell you, it's not just prayer and no action. It's prayer and action. You can't just have prayer meetings and you never share the gospel. It's not just evangelist's job to share the gospel. You know, you got to make, we're called to make disciples, guys. And once you get in the thick of making disciples, you're going to realize people need freedom. You know? Because they're going to get saved on a Sunday and they're going to be just as screwed up as they were almost on Monday. <laughs> Everything, oh my goodness. They're still cussing on Thursday. Oh my Lord. Maybe they're just babies in Christ and need to mature. Maybe some of us are still babies in Christ, and maybe this unforgiveness is keeping us from maturing. You know? So let the Lord in and let him heal some wounds so he can bring forgiveness. Amen? Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Isn't that cool? As the Lord has forgiven you. Check out this command. Let's read it together. So you also, let's try again. So you also must forgive. Jesus, there's nothing about that verse that makes any type of thought that it's a suggestion. You must forgive. There's another verse that goes on to say, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. There's a lot of debate on what that means, but it seems pretty clear. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a sense, he's kind of insinuating, if you withhold forgiveness, do you really understand what forgiveness really means to you? Do you really understand the greatness of the forgiveness that you have received from Jesus? Because if you get a hold of what you've received from him and what he's done for you, you won't, you won't know how to hold it back from someone. <laughs> you know? Matthew 6, 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. We said we prayed that prayer. You know, it's in the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our trespasses, Lord. We love that part. As we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, God is calling us to step into forgiveness. So the reality is, guys, we've all experienced things that have caused us pain and hurts, right? Everybody raise their hand. 
And maybe you just experienced them this morning. Maybe you experienced it with your spouse last night. We've all experienced things, and I don't want you to think this morning that I'm downplaying at all any of the real, hurting, painful, traumatic things in your life by any means. Man, I was just, I was in my, in my chair last night after some company left, and I was just in tears thinking of like, man, like people have really been hurt, Lord. Like, they've been really hurt. They've been really rejected. They've been really mistreated. You know, and I thought, man, this isn't easy, Lord. But I believe Jesus, not only does he know that it's not easy, he knows how you feel. Jesus was betrayed by his closest friends, his closest friends. Jesus was rejected by his closest friends. Jesus was humiliated because of his closest friends. You know, the Muslims hate the idea that God would humiliate himself like Jesus did on the cross. They think God would never do that. But it's the humility of our God to do something like that. And I was praying, I was like, man, God, people have been hurt. And, and I'm, not, I'm not by any means wanting this to come across this morning as like, it's just something you gotta do, we gotta be obedient, we gotta do it, we gotta get to it, we gotta, it's gonna be a process for a lot of us, it's gonna take time, I understand. I get it, trust me. But I'm saying, God is saying to you this morning, you must forget it. If I've forgiven you, you must forget This is an essential part of the church. This is an essential part of your Christianity. is isn't just that you get to be forgiven and that you get to go to heaven. It's also now you must forgive. It's how people should recognize the church. Not because of how, like, we get to this weird place in the church where we've got, like, this infatuation with punishment. That person screwed up. They need to be punished. All that person, we see people who do these terrible things, and it's horrible. You see people kill people and shootings and all this stuff, and we're like, oh, they need to be punished. Like, yes, there needs to be justice, but have you ever thought that they need to be forgiven? This is what the church should be yelling when we see crazy stuff going on, when we see the wickedness going on. We should be yelling, there is a God that forgives. Instead of there's a God who's going to just judge you and send you to hell. Yes, that is the, uh, the, the ultimate ending of that. But there's also a verse that says mercy triumphs over judgment. But the Bible says, I have no pleasure in the punishment of the wicked. God says, I have no pleasure in the punishment. What does he say? But I'm, I'm long-suffering, wishing that all would come. Bearing, bearing. Aren't you glad he's patient with you and me? And he's like, oh, you screwed up again. Mike, you screwed up again. Oh, you screwed up again. Here's some more mercy. Oh, you screwed up again. Here's some more mercy. And eventually that mercy draws me to obedience. That mercy moves me to say, God, I mean, I, I got to do better. God, I, I need, my marriage has to do better. My parenting has to be better. Not because I'm striving. It's because you're worthy and you're calling me to maturity. So I'm not downplaying your hurts and your pains. And people have really wronged a lot of you, some more than others. But I'm saying that unforgiveness isn't helping you. And it's not hurting the person like you might think it is. I was literally in my backyard yesterday and we have a fence put up between our neighbors, you know, because we hate our neighbors. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
It was there already. Calm down. <laughs> and I thought that's what that offense and that unforgiveness literally builds offense, right? And we're over here like, yeah, that neighbor, I showed him, here's this fence, you know? And then out of the whole time, he's just over there drinking a Bud Light, swimming with his family, having a time of his life. That fence isn't hurting him. That fence ain't hurting him at all. You know what it's doing? It's just keeping me out. It's keeping me in bitterness. It's keeping me isolated. Not from just that person, but from my own growth. You know? I've had to forgive a lot of people. And let me, let me give you some advice. You're going to have to continue to forgive a lot of people forever. On this side of heaven, you're going to be forgiving people maybe daily. That's why when they came to Peter, if you look at uh, Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, And Peter came to him, the Lord, and, and he said, How often should we forgive someone who sins against me? I could imagine, I'll, I'll stretch this a little bit, that maybe they were all just getting on his nerves all day long, kept making mistakes. How many of you time your kids, they just continue to disobey like 1,700 times a day? <laughs> You know, and you're like, what has happened with you? You're like, what is this spirit of Jezebel? Shut up. Man. <laughs> but he's saying, like, how many times do we, all right, Jesus, I understand forgiveness. I understand you came to redeem. I understand you're God. But, like, do we, how many times? Is there, like, you know, four times, and then we're like, nope, grace has run out. Grace is over for you. You've done it seven times. It's over. And he says, how about, you know, seven times, God? That seems like a reasonable amount. If someone offended you, take this out. Some of us are holding on to offense that happened one time 17 years ago instead of, and, and here he's saying seven times a day. And then he goes on to stretch it even more. He says, oh, no, 70 times seven. Which is like 490, all my math people. He basically said that he's not waiting for you to count. You're like, I've got a, a marker out. Like, all right, my kids, they're on 346 today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my wife, and man, this guy, this is, the, this is the 489th time, Lord, it's coming. It's, I'm done with this. Now I'm good. Now, now I can feel good about holding this forgiveness. No, you cannot. He was saying, well, I believe the Lord was saying when he said 70 times 7, he was saying forever. Every, he was saying every time. Well, Jesus, what if they don't stop? Every time. What if they don't show any signs of this? I'm not saying, some of, some of y'all are hearing some things I'm not saying. I can feel it in the room. Well, I'm not, are you supposed to be connected with those people? Are you supposed to be friends with them? No, I'm not saying you have to be everyone's best friend and do life with them, but I'm saying you have to forgive. Well, I ain't going to be close to that person. That person hurt me. That's not what I'm saying. Samuel in the Bible, the Bible says when he, he mourned over Saul for a long time. And then it says in the Bible that God said, stop crying, now get up and move on. It's like, dang. So Jesus, Peter said, how many times do I need to forgive? Every time. What if they don't change, God? What if they never change? Did you know that Jesus gave his life on the cross for people who would never accept him? Man. He died on the cross for every single person, knowing for sure that some would never receive him. Not only that, Jesus knew that his, his own people, including Judas and his own disciples, would betray him and reject him. And not only did he know beforehand, but he still washed their feet. 
come on. I saw this quote one time, and it said something like, until you're ready to sit at the table with your Judas, you're not ready to love like Jesus. And I'm like, golly, man. Oh, Lord, I don't feel like I'm there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know if I'm there, Lord. But God, I want to be. Oh, I want to be like you. Remember, I want to be like you. That's a, that's a scary prayer to pray, church. I think for so long we've been singing and praying that, and I have no idea, not even meaning it at all. Like that one pastor said, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. <laughs> oh, Lord, I want to be like you and your suffering. But then all of a sudden somebody wronged us. We freaking excommunicate them from our lives. You know, we don't talk to nobody. We don't, we don't even forgive one person, let alone everybody every day. Oh, Lord, I want to grow. I want to see revival. He's like, okay, but how about let's restore your marriage first. Come on. How many times should we forgive? Somebody say every time. <sighs> hmm. You know what, Here, you know, let me give you the secret. I talked about this a few weeks ago as well. The secret to being able to forgive every time is unconditional love. If you're having a problem forgiving every time, it's because you're not unconditionally loving. And let me remind you, agape love is the way that God loves you, and it's the only way that you're called to love others. It's the only way your marriage will work. It's the only way anything relationships, it's the only way it will work. You have to give unconditional love. You know what that means? That means I'm going to do my part regardless if you do yours. And so many, we see marriages fall to pieces because of this immature, petty game of, well, he's not doing it, she's not doing it, they're not. Then we don't understand unconditional love. Well, he ain't cleaning up the house when he could tell me there, so I ain't going to clean up the house. Now the house is just messy. <laughs> wow. You know, who wins? Is there a win going on here? You know? Well, he's not going to show me my love languages, so I'm not going to show him his love languages. What if, actually, what's waiting, what if a person is just waiting to be loved unconditionally to see the results you're trying to get? Isn't that a crazy thought, though? That we would just continue to forgive somebody every single time. You know what that does? It actually keeps you free from the devil's schemes. It keeps you completely protected from the fiery darts of the devil. We can't control how the other person receives it or doesn't do. If they want to not be protected, if they want to be unshielded, if they want to let the enemy in, that is on them. But we can control what comes into our heart and our lives. And when I get in front of the Lord, he's not going to say, well, Mike, you withheld forgiveness, but I understand that person was really bad. He's not going to say, well, Mike, you, you never pursued your wife like you should have, but I understand she didn't do it either. It's not what he's going to say. It's, it's going to, Mike, did you do what I called you to do? Did you do what I was asking of you? And I don't want to get to heaven and, and realize, man, there was so much more of my life that I could have experienced. There was so much breakthrough. There was so much uh, more of his, there was just so much breakthrough in my life, so much more joy and peace in my life that I could have experienced when I was 33 to 43 that I didn't experience because I held on to a lot of this bitterness. We get one life to live, church. 
Your kids are only small for a small season. I love a quote that says, if you don't heal from what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. Get healed because your kids deserve the healed version of you. On generational curses, we can go all day about theologically, but I can tell you this, there is generational patterns and generational familiar spirits, and the only way to stop is to stop it. (laughs) Well, my dad was angry, and I'm angry. Well, stop. And if you're angry, the root's probably unforgiveness and bitterness and hurt and pain and rejection. Let's go there, invite the Holy Spirit in, and let's get free. I love this stuff. You know why I love this stuff? It's because it's when I see, it's when I actually see people step into real maturity is when they start walking in this type of freedom. When I start seeing people really transform into the image of Christ is when they start doing the hard things. And I'm like, yes, Lord. You can come to church. You can serve in the nursery. You can be a part of And all that's great. It's awesome. It's needed. We love you. You're amazing. But we want you to find freedom. Because if you find freedom... And the kids are going to start finding freedom in our kids' ministry. If you find freedom, your kids are going to find freedom. And we're not going to have to teach them when they're 30 years old to find freedom. They're going to know it's a part of their life. Their parents are going to teach them when they're 12 years old. Their parents are going to show them how to walk it out, how to model it. It's not something that's going to have to be repeated. Can we say amen? We want freedom. We want to get it now so our kids learn it now or our grandkids learn it now so they're not, there's not another pastor coming 40 years from now trying to bring it up again, something we missed again. Right. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 12.02. I got at least 45 minutes. Just kidding. <laughs> It's about 10 minutes and we'll be done. Maybe. We'll see what happens. Y'all know how this goes. I think sometimes we think like, man, well, people don't deserve forgiveness. But we got to remember in Romans 5 that it says when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me, let me translate it. When you didn't deserve it, you got it. And you can't deserve it. You received it. So let me say it another way. You cannot wait for someone to earn their forgiveness because you didn't earn yours. It is completely against Scripture for you to earn your forgiveness or your grace. You cannot earn it. That's the point, right? So we cannot wait. Some of y'all really need to hear that this morning. You are waiting on people to earn their forgiveness. That is not how it works. It's on my end. I can release Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That's good news, church. In Christ we have forgiveness of sins and we are called to forgive. So anyways, I want to talk this parable and then we'll be done. Matthew 18 verse 23 says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. By the way, in this story, the king is, is God or Jesus, and we're the person who owed millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. That's us as well. We cannot pay for our sins, right? We cannot pay enough. Um, and so, so he ordered his, his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Somebody say, pay the debt. 
But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. This is where we get the song, Jesus paid it all, right? The reality is the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That means that you have earned death with your sin. Here's the good news. Just like this story, we are let go of our debt because of what Jesus comes. It's like you're in a courtroom and you're, you're guilty of charges. Jesus comes in and says, no, I'll take his charges. I'll take his place and he can be gone free. Same thing we see with Jesus and Barabbas. And when they're about to release one and let the other and crucify the other, they release Barabbas and they crucify Jesus. Same thing. We are the Barabbas in the story. We are the one that's released. We are the one that's been forgiven this millions of dollars of debt. Okay, you following me? Hmm. Verse 28, it says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Notice the difference, a few thousand, a million. I don't know about you, but I've, I've had a few thousand dollars. I never had a million dollars. <laughs> he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. This is that love I believe a lot of us have with punishment. And punishment if you're born again, here's the good news. You're unpunishable. There's no, Jesus took your punishment for you. That's good news. Amen? He took it for you. But this, there's something we do when we're holding on to unforgiveness. It's like we're wanting to punish the person. Right? Instant punishment or payment. So here we go. Verse 29. It says, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. He begged him, be merciful, please. Be patient with me and I'll pay to He indeed pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called on the man who had for, he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you plead with me. And check this out. You have to look at your sin as this tremendous debt that has been paid. Tremendous. And, and it, I know it's hard for a lot of people. Maybe you haven't been a drug addict. You haven't been a drug dealer. I, I, I hate to, let's humble you a little bit this morning. You're lying. Your pride, all of that was just as bad as anybody's drug addiction. Amen. 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 Right? You know, the Bible says one thing that the abominations to God, the first thing it says is a, is a, a pride. It doesn't say cuss words or drugs or addicts or murderers. He says pride's the first one on the list. Now, he does say murderers later on. He actually goes on to say one of the more, uh, other things that he hates the most is sowing discord among the brethren. You know what that means? That means going around gossiping and making, I'm going to say it another way, complaining about things of the church to certain people. God said he hates it. It's a scheme of the enemy. Let's shut it off. Amen? <laughs> I had to throw that in there. But he goes on in verse 32. He says, Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You, sir, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you plead with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow, sir, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. I love this next part. From your heart. So I talked about awareness earlier. You remember that? So when I bring up the awareness term, I mean, we need to be aware of what's going on in our hearts. That bitterness is rooted deep in our hearts. 
That rejection, that hurt, that pain gets deep in our hearts. And when we forgive, we got to get deep in our hearts and pull some of that stuff out. That's why we say the terms like, man, he broke my heart. That girl broke my heart. He didn't physically break my heart, but you broke me like deep in my, in my being, in my innermost place. It's deep things. We hurt deeply, amen? We feel deeply. But Jesus is saying, man, how much I've forgiven you guys, you have to let that be the focus of the, the way you forgive others. You've been betrayed, so have I. Well, you don't know what I've been through. No, Jesus knows what you've been through, and he's been through the same things. Maybe not exactly, but it's been through betrayal, rejection, all of that stuff, humiliation. Now I'll close just in a second, but what was Jesus' response to Peter who betrayed him, who rejected him, right? Peter, they're like, Peter, you're one of the guys with Jesus. And the third part, when he said it, it's like Jesus could see Peter in that moment. And he got to see the one who would fight to death for him, the one who would do anything with him for three years by his side. He got to see that same one say, no, 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 I don't even know him at all. And what was Jesus' response to Peter? Was it unforgiveness? Was it shame? Was it disconnect? Was it distance? No, he came to Peter. And Peter was fishing again. And Jesus comes and he sees Peter fishing and he says, hey, come to me. He jumps out of the boat. He eats with Peter and he restores Peter. He restores him. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. He restores him. Or Simon, son of Jonah is what he said at first. He says, do you love me? He restores. So what is God's answer for people of betrayal? He, he wants to restore them. What if, and then what happens to Peter after that? Listen to me for a second. We're almost done. What happens to Peter after that? He's launched into his destiny. He's launched into be one of the greatest apostles the world has ever seen. What if people are just waiting to be restored before they can be launched into their destinies? What if people are waiting to hear? Hear me say it another way. You were, you were that person waiting to receive forgiveness to be, to be launched into your destiny. You were that person who needed to be forgiven so you could finally walk in what God's called you to do. And what if there's family members and people in our life that literally we're holding back from seeing them walk in the fullness of what God has for them because of our unforgiveness? They're hold, think about this. While you might be holding on to bitterness, they're holding on to shame. And they're holding on to condemnation. They're holding on to bitterness. They're holding on to guilt. I was going to show this video this morning, but it's, it's a little weird. Um, it's called The Power of Forgiveness. It's on YouTube. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. And it was a serial killer. That's the part that's a little weird. Uh, it seemed a little inappropriate. But it was, it's a real-life news video of the, 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 the court case and the sentencing when he gets sentenced to life without parole on 54 murders, okay? And on this video, you can see the families coming up, and they're looking at the man, and he's stale-faced. He has no care. He is not showing any emotions, and people are telling him, I hate you. I hope you burn in hell. I hope you die long-suffering. All this stuff, these family members are getting up and just weeping, crying. And then at the end, this older gentleman gets up, 
And he says, there's a lot of people that hate you here today. And he says, but I'm not one of them. And he says, you've made it really hard to practice what I believe. But what that is, is forgiveness. And he looks at this man and he says, you're forgiven. And this man breaks down crying. I mean, it's crazy, the power of forgiveness. What it can release people into. What it, well, let me say this, what it has released you into when you finally, when you first got forgiven of your sins. That love that you felt, that grace that you felt, that unconditional acceptance that you felt that's changed your life. There are people waiting to receive the same thing. People who don't know Christ are waiting to receive it from Jesus, and then people in our families maybe are ready to receive it from us. The Bible calls us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. You know what that means? That means that a lot of us are keeping the peace in certain situations instead of actually making peace and having hard conversations. You know what that looks like? You're mad at a family member. They offended you about something. Y'all just separated. You're bitter. You gossip to a couple people about it. But you never actually talk to them about it. So what do you do? You just don't bring it up. You have family events. You don't ever bring it up. You don't ever pursue them. Why? Because you're keeping the peace. Got to keep the peace. It's Christmas. Come on. Right? But he's called us to be peace makers. Because you know what that, that keeping the peace, it's a false peace. It's not real peace. There's a tension there, right? And I'm not saying, don't bring it up at Christmas. Don't do that, okay? Or Thanksgiving or Easter, okay? <laughs> Keep the grandma happy. But, but go to your brother. Go to your sister. Because a false peace is not peace. You, you know, we all have relationships like that. Can we be real? We all have that relationship where, where there's a false peace when we're around that person because we just refuse to actually talk about it. We, free, or we, forgive, we, for, we refuse to humble our own selves and say, you know what, I, I was wrong too, man. But you know what? I, I want to release this. I want to get this behind us. And if they say, no, I hate you, then that, that's on them. But you can, you can do as much as you can. We go to things. I feel like Christians, we have to lead the way in relationships and communication with our family and people around us. We have to, if you're mad, if you're offended, you, the Bible says go to your brother. So let's be peacemakers. And one of the best ways we can do that is to forgive. So a couple things how to forgive. Number one, pray. Ask God to help you. Amen? Oh, Lord, I need some help. This is tough. Right? Can we stand? Prayer team, could you come? Or should team come out here as well? Everybody say freedom. freedom. We have freedom groups starting in September. I would love to see every single person in this church signed up for those groups. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I need freedom. And say, I'm going to need it next week. Some of y'all that ain't saying it, I promise you, you need freedom. I don't care how mature you might think you are. You need freedom. There's areas of growth in your life, I promise, that you still need. How many of you know that God is still trying to grow you even in your old age? Amen? Some of the young people are like, okay. Oh, thank you. Hmm. 
One of the best ways, when we go through our freedom curriculum, we really go after forgiveness. We go after a lot of these things, and we spend a lot more time on it. We have times of prayer, times at the altar. I'd really encourage you to sign up when we do that. Please, in the bottom of my heart, you need it. We all need it. All of our staff have done it. All of us have done it. Me and Maddie have done more freedom stuff than anybody in this church, and that's good. We're trying to set the tone. We're not trying to say, y'all got problems. We're trying to say, we got some problems too. But we're aware of them. And we're working on them, right? Have you ever found people that tell me as, as a pastor all the time, I say, well, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Or I'm just telling you, oh, you're still reading your Bible? No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. But that's cool. I'm glad you're honest with me, but I want you to grow. I want you to grow. No, I still ain't read. I still ain't reading the Bible. I still ain't reading the book. I still ain't doing marriage stuff. Okay, I'm glad you're telling me the truth, but it's not getting you to grow. Sign up. Get involved. Pray. If you have people you need to forgive, pray. God, help me to forgive these people. And I'm going to give you a real practical way this morning. Could you close your eyes? Listen, God might give you people this morning. Some of you, some people have come to your mind immediately already. And I'm going to tell you right now, it might take you a while. It will take you way beyond this Sunday service to probably forgive a lot of people you need to forgive. And that's okay. I believe the Holy Spirit is starting a journey with all of us to start to learn how to walk in forgiveness. Father, I just pray that you would speak to your people, that you would show them right now how loved they are by you, how much forgiveness they have received, Lord, and that you are calling them higher to a place of releasing people from their judgment. with this prayer right here say Lord help me to forgive and just say this and forgive me for withholding forgiveness that's a great place to start there's a um, there's a little card we're going to hand out probably next week I didn't have time to get them printed out and cut out. There's a little card about forgiveness and it has a prayer where you can enter in the people's names and the prayer. It's like a little, I don't know how to explain. I don't know. I can't think of words right now. Anyways, it's like a little model prayer for you to walk through forgiveness. And it's something you can use. I have some in my desk, but I need to print them out. And it goes something like this. I love this prayer. I've seen so much breakthrough in my personal life from this prayer, and I've seen breakthrough in other people's lives from this prayer. It starts out with saying, God, I forgive my dad. And then you go on to say, for what? Out loud. And you let your heart really let it out. You know what I mean? And you start to say, you know, for whatever it was, for not being there for me, for not telling me I'm good enough, to not coming to my games or not uh, congratulating me or being proud of me. You know, you get that all off your chest. And then finally at the end, you even, and then you go on to say what you needed from that person. What I needed from you was love. I need you to be there. I need you to uh, give me words of affirmation. I need you to root for me, you know? And then you get out of that place and then you just release them to the Lord. Get it off your chest. 
release people to Jesus. And you know what you do after that, which is even a little harder? And you bless them. Because the Bible says, bless your enemies and those that despitefully use you, pray for them. But I've seen something powerful in my life when I've said, God, I forgive John for these things. And what I needed from John was friendship and encouragement, whatever, and those things. And then I say, but God, I release him from my judgment. I forgive him. And then I pray a blessing over him. Once you get that off your chest, a true prayer of blessing will come out of you. And you'll realize that God loves that person. And you'll pray a prayer of passion. I remember I had to pray a prayer for uh, the, the original pastor of this church. He doesn't even know this. I was in a, a inner healing session with someone and I started thinking, I didn't realize I had all this bitterness towards the founding pastor of this church. I don't even know him. But I realized that I was holding on to this bitterness of like, man, that you know, you screwed this stuff up and I'm trying to clean it up and blah, 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 blah. Like all this judgment towards this person in my heart. And I had to walk through this forgiveness. And I had to walk through this prayer of blessing and saying, God, I bless this man. I bless his family. I bless his ministry, God. Who am I to withhold anything like this? So with every eyes closed in this room, if you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you need to be born again, you need to be saved. You're like, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to be saved. I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize Jesus is the only way to heaven. I need to be born again. If that's you, I just want to make an opportunity right now for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand really high in this place? I see that hand. Anyone else can say, man, I need to be born again. I need to give my life to Jesus. I just want to make an opportunity before we go. Thank you, Lord. And here in a moment, if you raise your hand, I want you to come down front and pray with one of our team. And two, if you need prayer for anything else at all today, guys, if you need healing in your body, if you need encouragement, if you want to spend some time at the altar, the altars are open. You're welcome to come. We'd love to partner and pray with you. If you need help, if you're ready to forgive someone this morning, our prayer team can help walk you through that this morning if you're willing to come. Could you just lift your hands to heaven? Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing on your people. I pray, God, that you would help them start a journey of forgiveness. That it might not end today, God, but it starts today in this house, Lord. That you are setting people free from the bondage of bitterness. Father, we honor you. We say that your ways are higher and your ways are better than ours. It might not make sense to us, Lord. But God, we say we are obedient to you. Bless these people. Bless their families. Bless their ministries. Bless their homes, their house, their kids, their finances, and everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for the Lord this morning?